Mornings with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much, Asanda. Otherwise, it is Talking Women here on SAFM. I'm Nancy Richards, and the team is Hazel McCuzini and Rob Parkin. And what we have first up on this uh, Monday morning, computers and the story of a visually impaired big issue vendor turned businesswoman with our own computer training company. It's quite a my story. And after that, Black Girls Code. It's an innovation that took place last, week in, uh, last weekend in Johannesburg, proving or ensuring that young girls can code and uh, do a whole lot more in computer speak, that is. We'll be talking to the ThoughtWorks founder, Zainab Lia, who put it all together. After the news headlines, women in road safety. Well, a group of women concerned about the way we use our roads are speaking out. And finally, from today, starting at 13.50, Sharp Sharp, the children's program, and that's taking us up to the news at two. Talking news, what's news here on Otherwise? Could be hearing one woman's story from big issue vendor to computer training company owner in just a minute, but just looking globally, Myanmar's Aung San Suu Kyi, former political prisoner and Nobel laureate, was unanimously elected yesterday as chair of the Long Silence Opposition, the National League for Democracy. So thumbs up for her all round. Meanwhile, also globally, the 5D COO of Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, has ignited the world's press over her controversial new book, Lean In. It's going to be released tomorrow. We mentioned it just the other day on the show. But she's defended her message that women need to step up and own their success. Critics in her country say that she is a billionaire who can't possibly deliver advice to most working American women, but she says that's missing the point. The very blunt truth, she says, is that men still run the world. I'm not blaming women, but there's a lot more that we can do. So there you go. Cheryl Sandberg will watch out for what she has to say. And watch out for that book, too. It's called Lean In. And on a similar note, Grant Thornton released a research report uh, released on Friday, International Women's Day, as you'll remember, showing that the percentage of women in senior management positions here in South Africa is inadequate and has been static for the last six years. Just a quarter of top decision-making roles in business are filled by women, which they say is a long way off government ambition to ensure 50% of senior management positions are filled by women. So maybe Sandberg's book comes at the right time to galvanise us women. And just also similarly, quoting Paolo Jordan in a recent article, he says that to realise the promise of gender equality will require the efforts of both men and women, but it first demands the modification of male behaviour. So there you go. Fashion Week that closed over the weekend in Joburg was apparently focused more on growth and development in the industry this year, which may have explained the drop in numbers of established designers taking part. But let me take the opportunity of that to mention to you that this Wednesday in our help desk, we're going to ask the question, what does what you wear say about you? What does what you wear say about you? Hmm. We're thinking about that on Wednesday, so do join us for that. On the health front, the Institute for Exercise, Science and Sports Medicine in uh, Cape Town in Newlands, well, they're working on a study to identify factors involved in weight loss relapse. In other words, why some people lose successfully, lose weight, and then put it all back on again. Their research shows that factors are not only mental, emotional, and conscious decisions, but also physiological or biological, whereby our bodies are being driven to defend a previously higher weight. Well, with that information, they plan to design a weight loss program that will be more uh, successful in the long term, and we hope to hear a little bit more about that on the show here as well. And finally, congratulations. Congratulations to the first woman over the line in the pick-and-pay Argus cycle tour. Pocket rocket to Henriette Schumann, who did it in two hours, 52 minutes and a couple of seconds or so. Followed closely by Cherie Stander, whose husband, Barry Stander, as you will remember, was killed in a road accident earlier this year, so well done to her too. And uh, a reminder on that very subject that we're going to be talking about road safety and women's concerns over road road safety right here on Otherwise later on. So stay with us. Government has declared 2013 a year of intensified fight against fraud, corruption and maladministration. We're establishing a national anti-corruption unit, a discipline code for all public servants and many other new initiatives to strengthen our fight against this particular evil. Please join me by reporting all allegations of fraud and corruption to the National Anti-Corruption Hotline or to your nearest police station. Your cooperation is absolutely important in building a clean and accountable government to the people. The Ministry of Public Service and Administration, working towards a clean government accountable to the people. If you are the one with hope for tomorrow, with an appetite for change, with passion for your country, join us in our drive to transform our society and nation. 
the new age, for a new perspective, for a positive outlook, for a united South Africa. The New Age, one country, one paper. Get your copy for only three rand fifty. Otherwise, on SAFM. Indeed, otherwise, Talking Women here on SAFM. Thanks very much for joining us. Hope you'll stay with us. And don't forget, if you'd like to share your story, either on the air or electronically, pop us an email, otherwise, at safm.co.za, or find us on Facebook. It's uh, otherwise on SAFM. We're starting off today with Erica Phillips. So Erica Phillips is visually impaired, but for many years, as a result of not being able to find work, she was selling the big issue for around about eight years, in fact, well, today, as of June last year, she is the proud owner of a computer training business called TUTA, which stands for Training You to Achieve. And we have her on the line to tell us her story. Erica, hi. Hi there. Good afternoon. Lovely to have you with us. And I have to tell you, I was thinking about you today as I, you know, um, by the big issue as and when I can. And, and this week's or this month's issue is a particularly good one. So um, the big issue's loss is, is the gain of the computer business, I suppose. Erica, tell us before you, before you go to tell us a little bit about Tutor, tell us about you. You're visually impaired. How visually impaired? Um, I actually lost my sight completely um, a couple of years back, actually quite a few years back. Um, I was about 21 at the time. Hmm. I lost my sight completely, and I was blind, totally blind, for nine months. And then... Um, Nine months later, I regained my eyesight in one eye. And this actually happened at a a 21st birthday party, so I actually uh, see it as a wonderful 21st birthday present that I will never forget. Um, But I didn't didn't, uh, retain my whole eyesight, my full eyesight. I only got sight in one eye. Um, That left me with questions as to why, but um, now my questions have been answered because I've been able to um, enter the world of visually impaired people and actually help them to uh, discover that there is actually something for them out there. Mm, a bit of a silver lining, I guess. Do you, what, do you know what the condition was that caused you to lose your sight partially and, or to lose your sight totally and regain some of it? Yes, I had hydrocephalus, um, which is a fluid buildup on the brain, and it was not completely, it wasn't picked up by the doctors. They didn't uh, pick it up because there was something wrong with the machinery. And they actually didn't know what was wrong with me at the time. But the, the pressure on my brain was pushing on my optic nerves. And um, the time that it took them to discover what it was was actually long enough for it to cause so much pressure on the optic nerves that it um, obliterated them completely. And the pressure presumably was then released, resulting in you getting the sight back in one eye? Uh, yes. We, we don't actually know, even to this day, what um, caused my eyesight to come back in one eye. Um, I look at it as a total miracle because I am a believer. I am a believer in, in the miracle worker, in God, the miracle worker. And I do believe that he has given me my sight back in one eye. Well, he obviously had a purpose for you. Yes. So just going back to the non-sighted years, it was then that you were selling the big issue as a a blind person? No, no. That was um, before I was with the big issue. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the big issue, um, the selling of the big issue, I think for about eight years on and off. Yes. How was that? What did, how did you well, cope with that? Well, I actually found it quite interesting. I found it, um, found it exciting because I am a go-getter and I don't give up. I went out with the big issue on the first day um, and I didn't actually sell any magazines. I had five magazines to sell. I was out there for a full eight hours and I didn't sell any magazines. Mm. But I kept going back to um, my spot day after day after day and I sold one magazine every day and but I saw it as a chance to build up customers because I was there, I was greeting the customers, I was out, I was with people and I was enjoying myself. Mm. Um, it started at that and then slowly but surely the people got to know me and they got to like me and they got to buy more magazines and eventually I was selling 
uh, approximately 200 magazines a month. So it, it was great because I was able to um, talk to people outside. I was able to uh, relate to people, and I was just having a good time. Wow, that is, that's really interesting. You know, I often wonder, you know, who does better. There were lots of, of really nice, it's certainly in our area uh, here around Seapoint, lots of really nice vendors, and I think, how do you manage to keep that smile on your face? And, you know, does it make a difference? And clearly it works if you get to know your customers. It really works. And I just one more time want to say what a good issue the latest issue is. It's a rhino on the cover. But moving on for you, Erica, you, I think it was through the big issue that you got an opportunity to do some computer training yourself. Explain what happened. Um, yes. I was approached one day at my uh, big issue pitch by a blind man. Um, who asked me if I would like to come and see where they work. Um, I was generally friendly with everybody, and I just spoke to everybody on my pitch, and I became a, quite a friend of this, of this young man. And um, he asked me if I'd like to come and see where he works, and then eventually I said, yes, I will go. And, and I discovered that he was working at a training center um, for visually impaired and blind people, and they did all kinds of things there. They did um, massaging and um, computer training. And I was very interested because I had never had the opportunity to learn a computer before. Mm. And so I asked them um, if there would be a possibility that I could do some training there. And, of course, they opened their arms to me, opened their door to me, and they said, I'm more than welcome. So that's where the journey all started. Um, I attended uh, training there. It was one-on-one training, and it was fantastic. Um, And we had a software that we used called JAWS, um, which helped us to be able to... um, know what was going on on the computer screen if we couldn't see everything. And um, this was fantastic for me. It was just like an, a dream that was coming true because I was able to use the computer. I was able to learn how. And when I picked it up, I just ran with it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I started writing stories. I started typing stories on the computer, and I just loved it. Um, yeah, and then the training just went forward, and I, I enjoyed my training. And one day, the trainer said to me that um, she is um, she thinks that I would do well at training myself, as training other people, because she could see that uh, quality in me. And I laughed at first because I thought, "Mm, yes, I've just learned how to use the computer. I won't really be able to train others. But she said to me, no, she really sees the quality in me. And then um, we left it at that for a while. And after about a month or so, I was contacted by the manager um, of the organization who um, asked me to come upstairs for an interview and she actually told me that the trainer was uh, the trainer had resigned, and they desperately needed another trainer. So I uh, sort of was wondering now what was going on. I, I thought I knew everything was coming together, but I couldn't believe it. So I said to her, "Well, I said I'll see how the other students feel about this." And we spoke to them, and they were all happy with me ta- taking over the training. And so that's what happened. And then I started taking, I started training them, and um, I derived a training program, a training curriculum um, that can actually prepare them for um, to start their own businesses or or to do something with their lives. And then I, I worked there at the Light and Healing Centre, which is the Western Cape Line Association for about um, two years I was training and then um, I had to leave there due to financial difficulty from their side. Mm. So um, that's where it actually started and then after I left there I went to Cape Town Society for the Blind in Salt River where I continued my training 
and I got myself completely computer literate, and then I still held on to my dream. I still held on to that dream of training uh, visually impaired people, and I didn't want to let go because I knew that one day, somewhere, somehow, I would be able to do it again. <laughs> and you have. And as of June last year, you started Tuta or Tata. That's training, Tuta, yes. training you to achieve. Did you get uh, Did you get anybody's backing other than other than the big man in the sky? Did you get any financial backing from anybody? Um, well, what happened was I actually put my my dream into a book, um, which was published by the Human Rights Media Centre. They asked me to narrate my story to them, and then I put my, my dream in a book, and I sent a copy of the book to my aunt in Johannesburg, and she phoned me, and she said to me, she sees that it's my dream to open my own business, and I said yes, and then she asked me what, she asked me what it is, and I told her, and then she said, well, I must go ahead and organize it because she wants to sponsor me. So... This was absolutely amazing because this was like really, really my dream was now coming true. And um, and then I got down to work and I found um, a premises and then I, I let her know how much the premises would be, the cost of the premises and everything. And she said to me, no, I must go ahead and I must organize it. And she provided me with some equipment, some computers and desks and things like that, and then um, I managed to get a 40-minute a version, 40-minute demo version of the JAWS program, which comes from America. Um, they've got the, the demo version on the Internet, so I was able to download that, and um, now I have it here, and the students are training with it, and um, it's absolutely amazing. That everything has come to this point. Yeah, well, that's certainly that's certainly um, conclusive, and it, you know, it all comes about as a result of commitment, doesn't it? And if you really yes, want something yes. badly enough, it can happen. <coughs> how many how many students have you got now? How long is your training, and um, are they all visually impaired? Um, well, I don't only offer training to visually impaired okay. students. I do open my door for um, for <coughs> sighted students. But um, most of them are visually impaired. I have 10 students at the moment. Two of them are sighted, and the rest of them are visually impaired. But I run the same program for, for all of them. What, what I do is um, I offer basic training, which is um, basic uh, Microsoft Office training for them to kind of get off the ground and get used to the computer. Mm. And... Um, Yes, it's, it's, uh, the training program runs over about 37 weeks, 37 lessons. Now, I actually offer the students a chance to um, decide how often they want to do the training. If they want to come in twice a week, then it's up to them. If they want to come in um, three times a week, then it's up to them. But it's, all in all, it is 37 lessons. Okay, gosh, Erica, that's really, that's really quite a story. Well, I know that you're here in Cape Town. You're in, um, you're in Kenilworth. In Weinberg. Right? In Weinberg. Yes. So if anybody would like to know more, I'm going to give out your email address. I know you haven't yet got a website, but who knows? Maybe somebody would like to sponsor your website as well. Uh, yes, I'm working on the website. Good, good. <laughs> well, Erica, keep us posted. That's a great story, and congratulations. Thank um, you so much. And do, do you think, I mean, is there, a, is there a chance that the other eye might... So is there a chance that your other eye might suddenly start to see again, do you think? Um, I didn't quite get that, sorry. Your, your other eye, you said you got, you know, you regained the vision in one eye. Oh, yes. What do you think? Any chances on the other eye? Well, the, the, seeing as um, my, my Lord, my miracle worker, gave me sight in the one eye, he hasn't given up with his, with his, work, with his miracle working, so... Uh, I do see a chance that I might regain it, but but um, I'm just waiting. I'm just I'm taking one day at a time, and I'm just waiting to see when what's going to happen. Well, lovely, and uh, our thoughts are with you, Erica Phillips. Thank you very much. Very very best of luck with the business. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank Cheers. you.
Erica Phillips, what a nice story there. It's that her business, incidentally, computer training business is called Tuta. That's Training You to Achieve, T-U-T-A, there in Weinberg. And if you'd like to get a hold of her, her email address is erica.phillips, with two L's, erica.phillips02 at gmail. Erica.phillips02 at gmail.com. Incidentally, the centre that she mentioned was the Light and Healing Centre, working with visually impaired people in, uh, in Cape Town. Well, we're going to stay with computers and all things to do with computers right now, because next up, the Black Girls Code. Well, from what I understand, it's a U.S. initiative, but it happened right here in South Africa over the weekend in Johannesburg, and it's an event aimed at girls between the ages of 7 and 17 who are keen to crack it in the science, technology, engineering, and maths field. And the event was masterminded by ThoughtWorks on the line from which we have Zainab Lila. Hi, Zainab. Hi there, how nice, are you? Excellent, nice to have you with us. Interesting to hear Erica's story, eh? Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, Zainab, clearly you're from America too. Actually, um, I grew up in Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm from Zimbabwe, um, and I've traveled uh, to a fair amount of the world. Okay. So I have a little bit of a um, mixed accent. Cosmopolitan <laughs> accent. Okay. Black Girls Code. Explain that. It's, it is an American initiative. It is an American initiative. Um, it was started by a young lady called Kimberly Bryant. Um, and the reason she started it was when she was a, uh, an engineer wanting to make a difference in the world and, and being really passionate about technology, she realized that there weren't so many people like her uh, within the ICT industry or even just at university itself. And so she wanted to figure out a way to reach out to more people like herself. And um, that's actually looking at the minority demographic around the world in, in regards to young girls uh, who do not have access uh, to these options. And so she wanted to change that and... Um, uh, and this is why she started Black Girls Code. Black girls exclusively? Not exclusively, okay. um, but because they are the, um, if you will, uh, excuse the oxymoron, but the biggest minority mm. um, in the ICT industry. Uh, a recent study was done in South Africa itself, actually, and it was said to be that 0.9% of the ICT industry is black South African women. So you can imagine how dire it is um, around the world. And so she wanted to attack the problem at its root, but it's not exclusive. It's for all young girls out there who are interested in ICT and, for that matter, young boys as well. Um, but we do, we do market uh, to young black girls. Okay. From the age of what to what? From the ages of 7 to 17. Okay, which is a very sort of fertile time. It's a a good time of learning. Exactly. And it's also naturally the point at which young girls are thinking about what do they want to be when they grow up. Um, It's also a time where they could potentially get influence not to go into any one of the STEM um, industries. And it's, you know, for a number of reasons. Um, but that's the most influential age. Yeah, one wonders what those reasons are. I mean, a uh, 0.09%. Yes. It's, that's, that's incredibly low, isn't it? And you wonder to yourself, is lack of opportunity or lack of interest? Um, so I think it's a little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of both, but it's, I, I would say um, the, the major part of it is the lack of opportunity or the lack of awareness, I'd like mm-hmm. to say. And, and the whole idea behind Black Girls Code is, is, is to introduce um, ICT um, to the young girls so that they can understand what their options are. So understanding that it's not necessarily just a geeky uh, boys-only um, industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not something that, you know is to be discouraged, it's actually something to be encouraged. Um, yeah, and it's not something that's necessarily beyond them. Then, yes. won't you stay with us? We're going to take a quick uh, news headline break here, but I'd like to find out a little bit more about exactly what it is that you're introducing them to, so stay with us. Yes. Thanks. Zainab Lila, she's with uh, ThoughtWorks, and she's talking a little bit about the Black Girls Code. Plus, we're going to be talking about women in road safety, so do stay tuned. But right now, 1.30 time for the news headlines with Asanda. Well, here we're busy talking to Zainab Lila all about the Black Girls Code, which is designed to, for young people, let's say, between the ages of 7 and 17, but focusing particularly on young black girls who are clearly not getting into the ICT industry. Um, Zainab, is it national? Is it something that's just happening in Johannesburg at the moment? 
At the moment, it's just Johannesburg. Um, it's our second event. So we had one in October of last year, and um, this was the first event uh, for this year. So this past weekend, we had an event at the ThoughtWorks offices. Um, one of the major reasons is ThoughtWorks is just over a year old in South Africa, um, and so uh, we, we we are looking uh, for partners, organizations who would like to work with us to help spread the word and, and, and be able to reach other areas and uh, around South Africa, yeah. but for the moment it's predominantly Johannesburg so, at our Bramfontein offices. Okay, and these 7 to 17-year-olds, they come along for, for what and how many courses they have? Um, so it's uh, at the moment we've uh, the first um, session was about introducing young girls uh, to computers and what uh, what is a computer, how does it work, um, and how can you interact with it. Um, but we always ensure that by the end of the session, the girls have had a practical hands-on experience um, with some sort of coding. Uh, so if you take this past weekend, for example, we um, taught the girls how to use HTML. HTML is hypertext markup language. It's the simple language that you would use to build web pages. And what we did was we worked with the girls to come up with an, their own idea, then to look at designing the page, so building what we call wireframes, so prototyping on a piece of paper what they think their web page would look like, and then um, using HTML and actually building their web page and then publishing their web page. So simple things like how do you um, embed an, an element like a picture or a video onto your web page? How do you create different sizes of headings uh, for the different um, parts of your web page? So how do you have the title as heading one and, and the different paragraphs as heading two, heading three? How do you change the different fonts with different colors? So simple, yet quite effective, quite powerful um, tools that the girls could actually see their hard work being published within a day so that they can understand whether or not this is something that they can be intrigued mm. by. Yeah, gosh, never mind. 7 to 17, what about 7 to 70? I'm sure there are <laughs> plenty of women who would be very interested to take it up. So your marketing, so you talked about marketing it and you're targeting who? Are you going and finding these girls? Is it, how much does it cost? What are the logistics? So at the moment, we're trying to partner with as many organizations as possible, and two of our uh, the organizations that we're working with right now is uh, Cliptown Youth um, mm. and Tomorrow Trust. They're both um, Johannesburg-based uh, South African organizations that are looking to help uh, uh, change the demographic in, in poverty through education. And so we're helping, uh, we're working with those organizations to reach out to um, as many girls as we possibly can. We also have a Facebook page and a meetup group, um, which is under the name of Black Girls Code Johannesburg. And we're trying to reach out to as many people um, as possible um, through those mediums. Um, of course, like I was saying earlier, we are looking for other organizations to partner with us um, because there is so much capacity that any one organization can have. But this is something that we're extremely passionate about. Um, I don't know if you if you read, but uh, one of the things that ThoughtWorks is that we have three pillars. Um, one is a sustainable business. The other one is software excellence. And the third pillar is social and economic justice. Whenever we do anything, whether we're working with a client or working on our own projects or even the way that we um, interact within the economy or communities, we're extremely passionate about help, having an impact on the community that we're in. And, and this is one of the reasons why we're extremely passionate about Black Girls Code. And we really would love to do more. At the moment, our target is to have one every quarter. Um, but again, it will depend on, on capacity and, and how many people we can reach out to. Um, on Saturday, we had 45 girls with oh. us in our offices, which is just phenomenal. Um, and how did it go? I mean, I'm thinking of 45, 7 to 17-year-olds. You, 17-year-old girls, <laughs> might have been quite noisy. Where, did they respond well? Oh, yes, definitely. So what we did was to ensure um, that they got the coverage that we were looking for, was we made sure that we had enough teaching assistance. So the ratio was one teaching assistant to um, two girls. Um, and then we made sure that we were helping them through every step of the process. And it was just amazing that the, the ideas that they had and, and what they wanted to do to impact um, their communities, it, was, it ranged from um, actually um, cancer support groups to um, libraries online to newspapers online to fashion and art and, and, and music. So it was extremely yeah. diverse. Wow, how fertile. Yes. 
Well, very best of luck. It sounds like a brilliant idea. And I mean, just to have that, that amount of young women or young girls just, you know, stimulated that way, it sounds absolutely super. Going to give out your details. Now, the website, it's, it's blackgirlscode.com, but that seems to be the international one. Yes. Um, local... so if, you, if you look up uh, meetup.com uh, forward slash blackgirlscode Johannesburg, um, that's our meetup group. Meetup.com forward slash blackgirlscode JHB. Okay. Uh, equally, you're on Facebook, which is Black Girls Code Johannesburg. Yes. Okay. Um, and also, if you needed a number to call and to find out more, you could call our ThoughtWorks office, uh, which is in Bromfontein. Um, and I'll tell you the number right now. It's uh, 010. Yeah, 010. Yes. Okay. Uh, 003. Yeah. 2728. Okay, that's 010-003-2728. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Zainab, do stay in touch. Keep us posted with how it goes. It sounds like everybody's having lots of fun and certainly very, very fertile. Lovely. Yes. Take care. Thank you so much for having pleasure. me on the show. Pleasure. Zainab Lila, uh, Lia, sorry, she's got uh, all sorts of things. Very, very exciting. Owner of ThoughtWorks, lead consultant. And if you'd like to know more, meetup.com forward slash blackgirlscode.com. I think that's right. Uh, otherwise, their Facebook page is Black Girls Code Johannesburg. And if you want to give them a call, 010 003 2728. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Well, moving on from computers and all things to do with computer literacy, up next, women in road safety. Well, you might remember that last week we spoke on our help desk on Wednesday about how safe, as a woman, do you feel in South Africa? And one of the places where women apparently feel most unsafe is on public transport. So why do they feel any safer if their own car, or do they feel any safer if their own cars? It seems not, because women in road safety is very concerned about how safe uh, our roads are, particularly for women. It's a women-run organisation started by a group of concerned women. Uh, the spokesperson for whom is Claire Vale. She's the chair, in fact, on the line. Hi, Claire. Hello, Nancy. Nice Thank to you have for you inviting us. us along. Absolute pleasure. So, was it started? What, why was it started? Why did you get together with this concern? Uh, Nancy, uh, back in 2010, I was approached by the Road Safety Foundation to become involved with them, firstly as an ambassador. And they'd, they'd always had this, this project for women in road safety at the back of their minds. And uh, in 2011, in August, appropriately enough, in Women's Month, um, we got together and we actually launched Women in Road Safety as a forum of the Road Safety Foundation. Okay. Why women in road safety? I mean, what can women do that men can't in terms of creating safer roads? Um, Nancy, a couple of reasons. Um, one of the reasons is that, you know, particularly in South Africa, women have always had um, the power to, to be great agents of change. Um, so we wanted to harness this particular power that women have and in addition, there are quite a few elements of road safety that affect women in particular, and there are areas where we, can, we have a special, um, a special opportunity to influence road safety. Okay, so how? Um, if you think about it, you know, women are mothers, wives, uh, teachers, aunts, friends, and so we actually have quite a unique opportunity to influence young people in particular, if you think about our children and, um, you know, family members and so on. And, of course, as I say, we, you know, women are becoming more and more important and more powerful in society generally, for example, with, with purchasing of cars. Uh, <coughs> in decision-making terms. Yeah, decision-making, yeah. um, you know, the choice of a car, uh, you, you can, you can uh, examine the safety features and, and so on. So we actually are a very strong force in society, and we'd like to harness that and and use it towards improving road safety on a whole. So are we talking about uh, road safety in terms of safer driving? That is one element. Um, but, you know, there are quite a few other aspects that we're looking at. Um, you know, just as a matter, um, just as one of the, the factors that made us think about this is that uh, road accidents and crashes are the number one cause of injury among, and of injury-related deaths among women in South Africa. Now, not many people oh. know that. No. The number one cause of injury-related death, okay, okay. which is quite a scary statistic mm. if you think about it. Is, is that, does that only apply to women? Yeah, well, I, I think so because, 
um, you know, if, if you we, we have different sort of risks and related risks to to men as such, you yeah. know, operate in different areas and so on. Just wondering, I don't know if you would have this figure, but I'm wondering how many women to men drivers there are in South Africa. Do, would we know that sort of figure? I don't have that at my yeah. fingertips, but yeah. uh, you know, road, road safety statistics and, and those sort of statistics in general are rather vague and quite difficult to pin down at the moment. Yeah, and maybe not so important. What's important is making the roads safer generally. So what you're suggesting is that then as wives, mothers, girlfriends, etc., etc., we need to be leaning on all the people who are within our charge to ensure that they drive more safely or are just more respectful around the roads. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of our main objectives are to raise awareness generally around road safety issues and, of course, to help to educate new and established drivers about safer driving, and particularly in the area of young people who are starting out as drivers. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we've just heard earlier from our earlier guests, you know, if you're going to teach anybody anything, it's the earlier you start, the better. In fact, I think you've got a particular project aimed at learners. Uh, we had a few projects on the go. Um, one of our, our major campaigns is to educate people about uh, safe carriage of children in the in the car, in the vehicle. And, in, you know, in that way we are uh, very involved in a campa- campaign to distribute refurbished car seats and child seats. Oh, okay. And uh, we had a very successful campaign in December, for example, where we were located on on the N3 to Durban, and we were based at Montrose at the, the Shell there. And we, what we do is we, we uh, collect seats from the public, refurbish them, and uh, distribute them to people who perhaps can't afford to buy a new one. Mm. So can people donate their, you know, once they're... Once their little ones have grown up, they can then donate them to you. Yeah, very much so. And, and also as they grow out of them and they move on to, say, a booster seat, then, you know, the smaller child seats are often just sort of stashed away in a cupboard. What's, what, in terms of the law, what are we... Is it, is it uh, illegal for a child under a certain age to travel outside of a seat? I mean, I know seatbelts themselves are, are legal, or at least it's yeah. law that you wear a seatbelt, but what about baby seats? Are they... It's a bit of a grey area, um, mm. you know. It's something that's sort of uh, been on the, the on the books for being, um, uh, you know, passed into law for some time. But it's a bit of a grey area at the moment, and you know, this is one of the things that we're hoping to address. So, what other programmes have you got, particularly for young people? Um, we're working on a few programmes in schools, uh, and the plan there is to make young drivers road aware before they actually get their licences. What, what do you mean? road aware um, you know for example a child a, a youngster will go for to pass the K53 test and you know they will learn everything by rote and they'll know exactly what they have to do and what they have to say but they may not actually understand the reason for what the law is and the implications of not obeying it and so we try to make them a lot more aware about road safety in general why the, why there are laws what the laws mean if you disobey them you know, it's not only that you might get a fine, but you're actually putting yourself or other people at risk. And, you know, generally making them think about more defensive driving, that type of thing. Defensive driving? Defensive as in predicting uh, accidents before they can oh, happen and helping okay. to avoid accidents, that okay. type of thing. Okay. Do you teach them about road rage? It's, it's one of the elements, um, but, you know, it's only one of many elements because there are so many different hazards and, you know, the... the you know, if you think about this night driving, this driving in the rain, all these things are not actually addressed in your normal driving, driver training as such. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the irony of it is, and I'm sure people will be raising their eyebrows to heaven, sort of saying, women drivers, you know, what do they know? <laughs> D- does that sort of issue come up? I mean, women in road safety, it spells it out. Well, you know, as a rule, it's been pretty much proven that on average women are safer drivers than men. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, I, I think that's, that's a quite a special issue to get across. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, you know, I, I mean, I, you're based in Johannesburg. Um, we are basically, but we do cover the country. You know, we work with quite a few other groups, such as um, in Cape Town. Uh, there's a lady called Alida Jones with a very. Uh, she actually began the project with the child seats, and we've been able to now uh, assist in bringing that across to Gauteng and then down into KZN as well. And if anybody, I mean, if anyone is listening and they'd like to know a little bit more, what information have you got on your website? 
Uh, we do have a very good website. It's www.womeninroadsafety.co.za. And we also have a Twitter feed, okay. which is at WIRS South Africa. At WIRS South Africa. Yes. Just in the, in the last minute or so here, uh, Claire, just give us, some, give us some safety tips that we can take home and, so that we can be a little bit more road aware. Um, I, think, I think you really have to, have to focus on your driving. You know, of course, distractions are one of the biggest problems. Uh, it's so easy to become distracted. Uh, you need to actually realize that, that driving is something that it's a task that you need to focus on. So, uh, you know, talking on the phone and, you know, the greatest thing of all, of course, trying to text and, and that type of thing on the phone. It's a huge distraction. And no matter how multi, multi, how good you are at multitasking, there's just no way that you can, you can avoid an accident if something happens and your, your attention is not on the road. So I think that's one of the most important things. And of course, you know, look after your tires. Uh, women, one of the things we try to do is educate women to understand why it's important to have your shock absorbers checked, uh, make sure that your tyres are in good shape and, you know, the alignment and that sort of thing is in good shape too. It, uh, you know, so all these things help women to be a little bit more safe on the road. Yeah. Women are certainly more vulnerable. They, they certainly are, and they're not least if they are um, pedestrians. Do you have advice for pedestrians as well? I think for pedestrians, the most important thing is to make sure that you're visible. Um, you know, particularly at night. And children, again, with, with um, reflective, you know, if you have children who are on the road when the visibility is not great, make sure they have a cap perhaps with a reflective band on it or, you know, shoes that have a reflective band, that, that type of thing. Claire, are you looking for volunteers if anybody wants to sign up? Uh, we are. We actually invite all women to join because, you know, the more women we have together behind us, the stronger we are as an organization. So okay. on the website, there's actually a downloadable form. Okay, well, you've come to the right place to let me give out the details once again. So wherever you are in the country, and if safety is an issue that concerns you on the road, Claire Vale is the person to talk to, but uh, the website to go to is www.womeninroadsafety.co.za. Womeninroadsafety.co.za. Claire, thank you so much. Very best of luck and uh, travel safe. Thank you very much. Thanks Thanks a lot. Take care. The women in Well, next up here on uh, Otherwise, it's Shop Shop, the children's program. Shop Shop Children's Program on SAFM with Leon Fisser. And it is Shop Shop, it's Shop Shop. Shop Shop! <laughs> Hi, everybody. I hope everything is Shop Shop. We are going to learn, play, and sing today. And for the next few episodes, we are going to talk more about our beautiful country. But first, I want to introduce you to two special people who are joining me today. Introduce yourselves, guys. My name is Leila. My name is Blessing. Hi, guys. Hello! Whoa, that was a big hello. Today, we are going to find out about two of South Africa's national symbols, the flag and the coat of arms. We're South And next, we are going to discover more about the symbols that we use to show off our magical country. Let's hear you say, we love South Africa. We love South Africa. And again, listeners, you can join in too. I'll count to four. One, two, three, four. We We love South Africa. Africa. Fantastic. (laughs) That was fantastic. And I think our flag is pretty fantastic too. Did you know that our national flag was adopted the day Nelson Mandela was made president? That was Freedom Day, the 27th of April 1994. And our flag was first flown high and proud on the 10th of May 1994. We are going to learn all about the colours of our flag today. But first, Blessing, can you remember what date our flag was flown for the first time? 10th of May 1994. Brilliant Blessing, you're a smarty. You know I don't go anywhere without my guitar, so I wrote a song about our flag. 
because I think it's so special. It goes a little something like this. Our national flag, it is red, it's green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow, it's white, it is beautiful, it's true. It is red, it is green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow and it's white, and it's beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 ooh. It is beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 ooh. It is beautiful. It is beautiful like you. That was fun. Let's do it again. This time, sing the colours along with me. Our national flag, it is red, it's green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow, it's white, it is beautiful, it's true. It is red, it is green, it's black and it is blue. It's yellow and it's white and it's beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 ooh. It is beautiful, it's true. Ooh, 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 ooh. It is beautiful, it is beautiful like you. All those colors. You know the South African flag is the only flag in the world that has six colors. Isn't that cool? Another cool national symbol is the coat of arms. Let me tell you what that looks like. In the middle is a secretary bird with widespread wings. A sun is rising above it and below the bird is a protea, which is an indigenous South African flower. It only grows in South Africa and symbolizes South Africa blossoming as a strong nation. Like I said, in the middle is a secretary bird. Can you make a bird sound, Layla? <laughs> That's magnificent, Layla. <laughs> Let's try whistling. Can you whistle blessing? Good. That's really good blessing. But the secretary bird is mainly silent and occasionally gives out a croaking noise. <laughs> And the sun is rising on our coat of arms. It makes me think of this song. we just said hello to the sun, let's say hello in a different South African language. Blessing, Leila, what is hello in Isikosa? Molo. Yes, that's right. Let's remember that Molo means hello in Isikosa. Great. And let's say goodbye in Afrikaans so we can say it to our listeners at the end of the show. It's totsins. Totsins. So what have we learned today? We learned about two of our national symbols the flag and the coat of arms. We have six different colors in our flag. There is a secretary bird, a protea, and a rising sun on our coat of arms. We learn to say hello in Isikosa, which is molo. molo. And we learn to say goodbye in Afrikaans, which is totsins. totsins. Remember, you can learn all about our country's history at your local museum. So plan a visit soon. We're South African and we work together. We're South 
Children's program for today. My name is Leon Fisser. We'd also like to thank Kim Winter, our producer, and Ricardo McCarthy, our technical producer. Blessing, do you know which album the music we listened to today came from? Yes, it's of your album, Leon, Our Beautiful Country. That's right. And if you like what you heard today or want to contact us, you could visit our Facebook page, Shop Shop on SAFM. And thank you to Blessing and the marvellous Layla for having fun and learning with us today. We hope that you enjoyed the show as much as we did. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And remember to keep it sharp, sharp. Goodbye. And it is sharp, sharp, yes, sharp, sharp. From the far road and down to the city and it's sharp, sharp, yes, sharp, sharp. From the taxi lines to the coastal city and it's sharp, sharp, yes, sharp, sharp. From the monument down to church street. And that was indeed Sharp Sharp, and as you heard from Leon Fisser there, they will be back again tomorrow, as will Kim Winter. She'll be in the Otherwise chair tomorrow here for the show. Well, thanks very much for staying with us. Thanks very much to the team. That's Hazel Mikuzeni and Rob Parkin, and I'm Nancy Richards. And coming up next this afternoon, talk with Ashraf Garda and all, all sorts of exciting things they've got lined up for you, so do stay tuned. And just a reminder, if there's anything you'd like to share on the Women's Programme, you're welcome to let us know. We're at otherwise at safm.co.za. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook. Do send in your messages. It's otherwise on SAFM is our Facebook page. If you'd like to give us a call, you can do that too. We're on 021-430-8172 uh, or 75. 021-430-8172 or 75.